You're listening to the Blaze Radio Network on demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for tuning in this fine Saturday or weekend, whenever you're tuning in. We have a jam-packed show for you again this weekend, but this show is going to be slightly different. I'm going to do something I don't do because, quite simply, I don't have we don't have the time together and I don't have the equipment, but I am going to have a guest on my show today. I want to share some thoughts with you about last weekend's horrific, horrific events. And then I'm going to have spend the rest of the show with a special guest. This won't be the format going forward. It's just this week I wanted, I wanted to hear from this individual and I wanted you to hear from him as well. And some of you may know him. He's a radio host. He's one of my closest friends. And... He's a vet, he's a pastor, he's a radio host, he's a writer, he has his own website. And I wanted you to hear from him and he has some interesting thoughts on Donald Trump, on terrorism, and on principles. And I wanted you to hear them. But before we get there, I want to talk to you about last weekend's events. Because they were horrific. The first thing we need to do, I think, and it's something no one ever wants to do, but we need to admit something very painful. We need to admit terrorism has become the norm. It's just become a part of our lives that we just accept. Just think back. If you remember 9-11, why was 9-11 so, and I'm using this from a terrorist point of view, so successful, so impactful, so powerful, because it shocked everyone. It shocked everyone. No one expected it. It was so out of the blue if you weren't following the news. But since 9-11, the world has witnessed, America has witnessed, Boston, 
Fort Hood, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, Garland, Orlando. From the world, you can add 7 7 the London bombings, the Mumbai bombing, the attacks on Charlie Hebdo, and the attack on Paris. And then just this week, you can add another attack, which the I never thought I'd hear myself saying this. On foreign policy, I kind of wish I had a socialist French prime minister because he instantly came out and called the murder of two policemen in Paris a terrorist attack. There was no posturing. There was no blaming loads of things. He said, no, it's a terrorist attack. Of all the things I thought I would ever say in my lifetime, that is not one of them. That's the first thing we need to admit. The second thing we need to admit is how much we've changed. You know, I if you've listened to this show long enough or if you've followed me long enough, you'll have heard me talk at length at different times about how 9-11 was one of the worst days in American history. But 9-12 was one of your greatest days. And what made 9-12 great? It was great because your people walked that bit slower, embraced absolutely everybody. You consoled each other, you hugged, you smiled. I'll never forget the pictures and the videos I saw on the news agencies I had over here at the time, where people, I think it was Central Park, just went to Central Park, and there were people just holding hands, not saying anything, just holding hands. There were people lighting candles, having candles that people who were missing or presumed dead. You came together. It wasn't important who you voted for in the 2000 election. It wasn't important whether you thought Bush stole the election or not. It wasn't important how much money you had in your bank account. It wasn't important what class you belonged to. It wasn't important what sexual orientation you had, or it wasn't even important what color your skin was. In that little moment, you were all American. Fast forward 15 years. You know, when France happened, my timeline in both Twitter and Facebook were filled with people putting the French flag over their profile pictures. I was seeing Mimi's Jesuit Charlie, huh? Jesuit Paris? I haven't seen one Mimi says Jesuit Orlando. How have we changed? Now, I'm sure there are people who will want to talk with a lot of anger. I share those feelings, believe me. But for the next few minutes, I don't want to talk to you about anger. 
I want to talk to you about the opposite. I want to talk to you about love. Something hit me. And I don't want to make this political. I really don't, but I just want to make a point for you to think about. What do the left say about people like me and you regarding gay people? Wait, we hate gays. So when I say people like me and you, I mean, if you're a Christian, if you're someone like me who believes government should be limited and doesn't want government involved in any marriage, gay, straight, man and a dog, woman and a cat, three people, two people, five people, doesn't want any involvement. I hate gay people. If you listen to some of the, the far left, you'll hear them say, people like me want gay people strung up. Now, you and I both know that's nothing could be further from the truth. I don't have to like your lifestyle and agree with your lifestyle, but I'll defend your right to do it. Just like the First Amendment. I don't like have to like what you say. You can be as insulting as you want, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. The left wants to seek division and hate, wants to pit one part of society against another. How can we ever reach out to gay people? How can we ever break those barriers down? When when you look at us on the right, how can we break those barriers down when we can't even act that way when it comes to our politics? Oh, you don't like Donald Trump. You are a hater, John. I'll block you on Facebook. I'll block you on Twitter. You said something negative about my person. How can we ever reach out to someone who has the exact opposite political opinions and personal lifestyle opinions when we can't even act respectfully among ourselves on the right? We all seem to see enemies and people who are against us. We all seem to want to think everyone has to see the world the way I do. Well, here's the thing. If you support Donald Trump or ever who the hell you support, I am not your enemy. I am as much your enemy as I am an enemy to gay people. I don't know how we do it. I don't know how you roll these tides back. I don't even know if it's possible. But one thing I am convinced of is if this world is to have a future, we need to roll back the hate. We need to accept people for who they are. We need to accept freedom. And accept people doing things we don't like or we don't agree with. I don't agree with gay marriage, with gay people. I have a very firm policy on, on sex. 
I don't care who's having sex with who. I really don't. Man having man, woman and woman, man with two women, man with woman. I really don't care. I've always been that way. It's your sex life. Keep it to yourself. Last Sunday, a terrorist attack happened. And instead of focusing on you're all American, you're all one, what did, what happened? Well, your president came out, your politicians came out and said this, no, 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 no. I'm not going to use the words radical Islam or Islamic terrorism. I'll talk about guns. I'm not going to address their comments, that's for another show, but I am going to address the gun issue. I don't know how to act in this world where terrorism has become the norm, where hate has become the norm. But I will say this. Arm yourselves. Follow your Second Amendment. If you feel comfortable enough, go buy a gun and go get your concealed carry license and take the classes and practice. There's a reason America is great. The Second Amendment is just one of countless reasons. If I had a Second Amendment in Ireland, I'd be arming myself. I would have already been armed. But sadly, I don't have that option. You do. If you feel confident and you feel comfortable, do it. There's a great thing online. And I want to read it to you. Because this sums up perfectly how I feel about guns. And you might have already seen it. I shared it during the week. And I quote, I stand behind you in line at the store with a smile on my face and a gun under my shirt and you are none the wiser. Yet you are safer for having me next to you. I won't shoot you. My gun won't pull its own trigger. It is securely holstered with the trigger covered. It can't just go off. However, rest assured that if a lunatic walks into the grocery store and pulls out a rifle, I will draw my pistol and protect myself and my family and therefore protect you and yours. I may get shot before I can pull the trigger, but I won't die in a helpless, bluttering heap on the floor, begging for my life or my child's life. No, if I die, it will be in a pile of spent shell casings. I won't be that victim. I choose not to be. Are you? I don't ask that you carry a gun. If you are not comfortable, then please don't. But I would like to keep my right to choose to not be a helpless victim. There is evil in as a gun. I want one too. You have a second amendment. Keep it. Please keep it and keep yourself safe. 
I have one last thought on terrorism before I get to my good friend Andrew. Even though it wasn't publicized, even though it wasn't all over the mainstream media, there were glimmers, little glimmers if you knew where to look for them, of hope following the terrorist attack on Sunday. There were Americans who acted as Americans. I want to tell you two quick stories. One, blood donations went through the roof. Americans saw all those victims, all those casualties, all those people hurting, and knew there was a need for blood. And how did you act? You acted in love and compassion and did what Americans always do, help and sacrifice. That's story number one. Story number two is about Chick-fil-A. If you listen to the left, Chick-fil-A are some of the most hateful people in the world. They receive countless amounts of hate. But how do they respond to the Orlando nightclub? Because, you know, if you listen to the left, they surely would be happy, right? Nope. They helped. It was a shocking move because if you know about Chick-fil-A, they don't open on a Sunday. They follow it for religious reasons. They never open on a Sunday. However, in the terrorist attack in Orlando, they quietly fired up their grills. Employees came in and they cooked hundreds of chicken sandwiches and brewed gallons of sweet tea. Now, I'm sure people who hate Chick-fil-A are saying like this, oh yeah, the greedy capitalists, yeah, they, they just wanted to, you know, milk their dime and get more money in their coffers. Just, they wanted to take advantage of the circumstances. Nope. They didn't sell a damn thing. They didn't make a big deal. They didn't issue fancy press conferences and saying, look how great we are. No, they quietly did their thing. Made the chicken sandwiches, made the gallons of sweet tea. And gave them to a blood donation center. Have you seen this anywhere? That is what Americans do. That is the America I love. We'll have some more. I'll have some more thoughts on this terrorism. And how to act. But I firmly believe this. With regards to terrorism, with regards to society, with regards to pretty much any problem. The biggest issue we are going to have to come, overcome, is the issue of our hearts and how we respond. Hate cannot defeat hate. Darkness cannot overcome darkness. Only love can. Only love can overcome hate. And light overcome darkness. I'll be right back, America, with my special guest, Andrew. Don't go anywhere. You are going to want to hear what this wonderful veteran, pastor, and my brother in Christ has to say. 
I'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, America. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We have a jam-packed show today, as I was saying to you. And I wanted to have one of my... He's not really a friend. He's more like a brother um, on the show. If you followed me a long time, you'll know I've done a lot of work with this individual. Um, he's put up with me for many, many years. And it's, of course, my brother, Andrew. And this is going to be unusual for me because he's normally asking me the questions. And today I get to ask him the questions. So... Andrew, welcome to the Freedom's Disciple podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate you thinking of me, and I, I want to thank your uh, your listeners for sharing your platform with me. It's it's an honor to have you. So my f- we opened the show today by go talking about Orlando. So I wanted a, you to share your thoughts about it because for those who don't know you, why don't you tell them? Because for me, you're a, you're a preacher. Mm-hmm. You're a man of God. You're a man of principle. But most importantly, um, this show always salutes the vets. You're a vet. You've served in Iraq. What's your thoughts on the terrorism? Thoughts of Sunday morning waking up to yet another a terrorist attack? You know, initially I was very angry, and I'm still angry, and I'm salty about the whole thing. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's it's almost overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about this on my show, actually. Um, as a veteran... And as somebody who has taken the fight to the enemy head on, um, it's not a good feeling to wake up and see that strike home. Uh, beyond just being a veteran, I'm a post. I'm a post nine eleven veteran. You know, I signed up after nine eleven. I enlisted. I enlisted in Mar- on March twenty eighth of two thousand and three, uh, is when I signed my enlistment papers. And then I graduated from high school, and uh, I was on a plane to Fort Benning, Georgia, and. Uh, you know, so it was it was after two, it was after nine eleven that I had realized that my nation needed a call. In fact, I've told the story before that um, my class, my my boot camp class, my my basic combat training class, we actually graduated 
uh, we didn't get to graduate in our dress uniforms like most uh, traditional Army boot camp graduations happen. Uh, we actually graduated in what they called the ba- uh, the battle dress uniform, the BDUs. It's old school. I know. I get it. I'm dating myself. It's the old green uniform, the foliage uniforms, and we wore black boots that you still had to polish. And uh, that's what we wore. But we wore that uniform on our graduation deck. And I remember our commanding um, our commanding officer, our colonel, getting up to the podium and looking at all of our parents and said, today, your young men graduate in the battle dress uniform of the United States Army because 90% of this class will see combat. And um, I'd venture to say that that was a reality. More than 90% of our boot camp class um, has seen combat. In fact, I'm still friends with a lot of the guys that I went through boot camp with uh, via social media, and we've all been been there, done that, if you will. And we did it. We all signed up at the same period of time in American history when America needed us the most. And uh, it was after the deadliest terrorism attack on American soil. And uh, we all signed up at that period in time, and we went overseas, and we did what had to be done, and we fought where where we had to fight. And we we came home. Some of us didn't come home. Um, but you know, as the, as the adage goes, we never left anyone behind. We brought them all back, whether it be over a flag with a flag draped over their coffin or whether it be alive, whether it be missing limbs, whatever the case may be, everyone came home. And that being where I'm coming from, man, it quite frankly pisses me off, um, to see that fight brought home again. Uh, because this isn't, despite what the media wants to say and despite what the administration wants to say, this isn't an act of hate crime. This this wasn't a hate crime. This was a terror. Let's call it what it is. It was a terrorist attack on American soil. And there was another coordinated terrorist attack that was about to happen in L.A. that, thank God, was stopped. And I don't care. Like I've said before, I mean, I disagree with the LGBT community on just about everything. Uh, when it comes to who I am and what I believe and what I preach and what I teach according to the scriptures. But at the same time, man, I don't care if you're black, blue, purple, green, pink. I don't care if you're gay, bi, straight, transsexual, or lesbian. The point is you're they, these are Americans. These were Americans that lost their lives on American soil. And it basically, to me and to, the, uh, to, to, me and to other veterans like me, what this says is this says you didn't do your job. And I don't know... I'm going to try not to get emotional about it, but I don't know me personally. This I'm speaking for myself. It's hard. It's hard to sit back and feel like you didn't do your job because that's basically the weakness that this administration has led. That's basically what, what we have told the world as Americans. We, we now with this attack at home, you're telling all of the veterans that have gone overseas to fight radical Islamic terrorism, where radical Islamic terrorism runs rampant, that we didn't do our job. And that's not OK. Well, I, I can only speak for myself, but I'm sure I speak for the. Uh, the audience, you did your job and the sad truth is. You did your job. It's others haven't done their job. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. Yeah. The one thing I think that struck me most, and I spoke about this in the monologue, was it's time to realize the sad truth and admit it. And this is very hard for me to admit, and it was very hard for me to admit in the monologue, was terrorism has become the norm in America. Yeah. I remember watching 9-11. 
I've spoken on this show, I've spoken with you publicly and privately, how 9-11 was one of the worst days in your history, but 9-12 was one of the best. Just look in the last 15 years how much America has changed. You've had 9-11, you've had the Boston bombings, you've had Fort Hood twice, you've had Garland, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, and now Orlando. It seems we're wakening up to terrorism just been normal. That's just America. You think you think overseas with, you know, 7-7 with the two terrorist attacks in Paris. They're becoming the norm. We all sign a book of condolences. We all put up on our Facebook page. You know, we, we send our thoughts to the victims. But my question for you is, as a vet, as a pastor, how do we act? Because well, here's the way I see this. If we don't act, and I don't mean... And I be I don't mean to disrespect people. I don't mean let's all get a hashtag trending. I don't mean let's oh. go to a politician and say you've got to be tougher. How can we act? Yeah, churches, individuals, groups of people, families. You know, um, I spoke to my church about this on Sunday, and and we kind of talked a little bit and, and had a, a casual conversation, if you will, um, about some of the current events and things that were taking place. Because the reality is, this can happen anywhere. Um, if this attack from radical Islam on homosexuals um, at a nightclub can take place, rest assured that those of us that they perceive as the ultimate infidels, those that follow the way of Christ, uh, we, we are very well on that same hit list or on that target list. Um, so um, let's not be naive to think that it couldn't happen in our church building. It could, it could have been a church building. It could have been an evening worship service for some Christian church uh, somewhere that they could have walked into just as easily as they went into that nightclub. So when you think about that aspect and how we are supposed to act, I, I told my I, I told I told our congregation on Sunday. I said, you know what? It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be vigilant. Um, you know, and and, and that might not sound popular because it, it seems to go against the mainstream message of love of Christianity. But when you go to the root of the problem. And you go to what is taking place. There are aspects, and this is a totally different line of of of, of show. But but not to get too deep into it, you can go through various aspects. In fact, I actually wrote about this. JD, will you believe that somebody pulled up an article that I wrote years ago um, at Gen Fringe and tweeted me about it yesterday? Um, wow! Yes, there's a blast from the past. Yeah. In fact, I wrote the article when it was YoungPatriots.com. So, uh, wow. so they, uh, but I wrote an article about the uh, second amendment self-defense in the Bible and they actually tweeted me about that article yesterday. Uh, so it was, uh, it was really cool to, to have somebody tweet out about that. Um, but here's the thing, there is an aspect to the scriptures that teach self-defense and that do advocate for the second amendment. In fact, I would say that among some of the most godly of men that our nation has ever known, it was our founding fathers. And um, among these individuals and among uh, this this cooperative group of men from across our, our, our colonies at that time, they saw fit um, to include in our Constitution a Second Amendment. Um, and first of all, it's like I, I spoke about on, on my own show. I said uh, the Second Amendment is America's reset button. And that might seem scary to say, but that's what it was. It was to protect ourselves first and foremost against a tyrannical government because of what they had gone through with the king. Uh, but 
in a personal perspective, it's to protect ourselves personally and those types of things. And with that, again, it kind of goes back to, to some of the things that we've heard in comic movies and things like that. With great power comes great responsibility. Well, in carrying a firearm and, and having a firearm is no different. With great power comes great responsibility. And I have to be vigilant. Does it mean that I, I mean, I, I live in the state of Texas. You can open carry here in Texas now. Um, and uh, do I? No, I don't. Thank you, Greg Abbott. Yeah, thank you, Greg Abbott. It, it, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. If you want to open carry and, and, and you want to do that, go ahead and do it. I think there's a tactical disadvantage in open carrying, and that's why I don't do it. Um, but, you know, there there's a there's a, there's this thing. You know, I carry, but I still conceal my firearm when I carry. Um, but that being the case... Man, you don't see me for, for that very reason, for the tactical reasons and, and the implications that it brings with it. I don't go out brandishing a firearm everywhere I go because I don't want people to think, man, I'm, a, I'm on the alert. I'm, I'm checking everybody out. You know what I mean? I, I don't want that aura or that mantra about me. I, man, if you see me out in public, there's a chance nine times out of ten um, I am I'm carrying a firearm and you'll never know it. You will never know it. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to brag about it. I'm not going to brandish it. Why? Because I'm doing it to protect me and my loved ones and my family. And in the case that I may ever need to draw that firearm, I pray to God it never happens. But in the event that I am do that, I'm tactically and proficiently trained to pull that firearm and use it at whatever cost necessary to to down the threat that is in front of me and my family. That's how you act. You act responsibly. This doesn't mean go out and and take advantage of your Second Amendment right and your right to open carry and go and strap up and go and protest a mosque at gunpoint. Don't do that. That's stupid. That's stupidity. Okay, because we do still live in a land uh, that is that is free, and we have a freedom of religion. And you know what? If that that means Islam too, um, whether I like it or not, that means that includes Islam, and in, those individuals are free to practice so long as they are doing that which pleases uh, that which uh, rather does not put their fellow man in harm's way. Now, I don't believe that you can practice true Islam and not do that because. This true Islam teaches to kill the infidel, but nonetheless, they have a response. They have a freedom here in America if they're going to practice moderately or liberally the the ways of Islam that they're able to do that. So don't be stupid about how you are to act. But it's okay to be angry. Um, it's okay to be vigilant. It's okay to guard and protect yourself. Um, and to the event of the, of these things, yeah, I mean social uh, social media hashtagivism. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, and, and that's what it is. I mean, let's let's start a trending hashtag. I, I think I put something up earlier um, on social media where I said if if uh, if Omar Mateen represents all gun owners, then by definition, he should represent all Muslims. And if he represents all Muslims, then because he's a registered Democrat, he should be read. He should represent all Democrats. And, uh, you know, nobody's going to want to assert that because he's a terrorist. Right. Nobody's going to say, well, he represents all Democrats. Well, nobody's going to want to say he represents um, all Muslims either, because Islam, quote unquote, to many is a religion of peace. And nobody wants to say I don't want to say that he represents all gun owners because I'm not going to go and shoot up any any nightclub or any mass event like that. So we have to be careful with how we are going to be active and engage our voices on social media. I can go out and I can say, and I'm not giving it, I'm not giving myself more rights or more, more privilege than anybody else, but I think people expect the brandish out of me 
because I've been on the radio for three years and they expect me to really just say what's on my mind. Uh, but in effect, and then to answer your question, this is a long way of answering your question, but, but in effect, I mean, really and truly, social media activism it raises awareness, but it's not going to get us anywhere. You don't see Facebook right now being covered in American flag profile pictures, do you? But we did with no, no. What? Why? Why? We did with France. It's not cool. We did with France. We did. We, yes, we American, huh? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, la la. Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what, what, let's let's be real. Let, let's just be real for a minute. If if we're really doing something with social media activism. Um, then, then, then Facebook right now would be covered in American flags and symbol, or even dare I say, I hate the fact that as a, as a minister of the gospel and as somebody that has spent a lot of times in the scriptures, and I understand the promise of the rainbow from a Noah's perspective and God's promise to never destroy the world again. Okay. That's what I believe the rainbow is symbolic of. So I don't like the LGBT hijacking of that symbol, but even though we now know, and we acknowledge in our modern society that that is a symbol of gay pride. That's what we, we, we acknowledge that right i acknowledge that i understand that i'm not stupid mm -hmm. i don't have my head in the sand okay why isn't facebook why isn't facebook covered in profile pictures with the gay pride flag it was i mean when when we legalized gay marriage as how a about nation, we go one step further how about we go one step further right. why isn't the white house yeah all gonna, little yeah, in yeah. gay colors yeah it was when the supreme court announced their nomination but now we're not that's your priority. Um, yeah. Why? Because we're scared of the retaliation of the Muslim Brotherhood. That's what we're scared of now. But now you, they weren't scared of the retaliation and the outrage that Christians that hold to a viewpoint of marriage between one man and one woman had. Mm -hmm. We weren't scared I'll of that. What? But we're scared so of. Here's the thing. We're scared of the backlash. Of, I mean, it, it's just it's it's a, no. Go ahead, man. It, it, I could I could go on and on and on. The way that you act. Let me just answer your question in short. The way that you act is responsibly. You act vigilant and you act um, in a proactive manner. And I say this with all sincerity of heart and with all rational and 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 line of reasoning that I can think of and muster from my own being. If you have an opportunity. If you have an opportunity to legally own and carry a firearm and you are a reasonable and a responsible person, do it. That's your right. That is how you protect yourself and your family. Go and take the course, the concealed carry course. I know some people get up in arms when I talk about that. Oh, the federal government has to teach me how to carry a firearm, and that depresses my Second Amendment. Look, that's the reality. We live in a nation of laws. Even John Adams would assert that we live in a nation of laws, and we must be a people of laws. Okay, And, and whether I like it or not, do I agree with it or not? No. Most of you individuals out there that are responsible, gun-toting Americans were probably not taught proper firearms safety by your parents growing up. So that class is going to be beneficial to you. Okay. Um, take the class, buy a gun, carry a gun, conceal it. Please don't open carry it if you want to. Cool. But there is the look up, watch some of the videos from the experts out there. There are strong tactical disadvantages as to why you should not open carry. You're going to be the first one to be targeted. Um, if somebody comes in wanting to do harm, you're there in a, in a, you're there in an attitude to do whatever it is that you're to do. Let's just say you're shopping. You're there to shop. You're not there to cause harm. Somebody go Going in to cause harm that sees a firearm on your hip openly brandished, you're automatically their first target because you're automatically assessed as a threat and you're not even thinking twice because you're there to shop, not cause harm. So there's tactical disadvantages to it. Please don't do it, but but do yourself the, the due diligence of, of getting a firearm. And as an Irishman, I double and triple down on what Andrew <laughs> just said because here's the truth. 
terrorism is not just an American thing. It's a worldwide thing. A terrorist attack could happen. It happened Sunday in Orlando. It could happen in Ireland. You, uh, there's football going on in France at the minute. There is heightened, heightened security. The difference between you in America and someone like me in Ireland is you have the option. You have a Second Amendment. I don't. If I had the opportunity, I'd be carrying, I'd be concealing and carrying and protecting myself, my family, my friends, anyone I was around. You have that option. I don't. So use it. We got to take a quick break, America, but please don't go anywhere because I've got to talk to Andrew. I know he's dying to talk about Donald Trump because he's a big, big fan. Not. Uh, I want to talk to him about principles. I want to talk to him. Uh, I might surprise about- you with what I'm going to say about Donald Trump. No, you won't. Uh, or I'll kick you off the show. Um, and also, I've got the Glenn Beck question for him. So uh, don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. Technology has enabled individuals to be able to wage war on behalf of whatever ideology, whatever cause it is they think that they are in support of. And they can turn themselves into a global news story as well as creating a mass casualty attack. It is a lot easier now than it used to be. That much is true. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, America. We're here with Andrew, my brother. He's on Twitter. Follow him. He's always worth a good follow. His tweets are brilliant. His handle is at Church Patriot. If you're on Facebook, give him a like as well. He's also got a, a great website I helped him set up a couple of years ago libertycanonmedia.com. Check it out. Um, check his radio show out on Lantern's Buzz. It's on speaker.com. Yeah. Isn't uh, that right? No, you can actually actually just uh, put in intersectionradioshow.com and go straight to our show website. Oh, look at you, a show <laughs> website. You're all professional and hip yeah. now, brother. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about this election. So yeah. before we get down into the general election, you came out a long time ago. I was somewhat shocked but not shocked because i know you and i know your history you endorsed rick santorum then you got on board with the the ted cruz campaign um give me your thoughts give me (laughs) a 30 second synopsis of the primaries what went why did donald trump win uh donald trump has a legitimate pulse on the anger that is america and um, I, I think uh, I think it's going to take me more than 30 seconds. But to sum up the generals on why Donald Trump won, um, it's because, number one, we had a flooded field of individuals that thought they could win. They thought they could capitalize on that same channeling that Trump had done. But Trump has a celebrity and they do not. Most people don't know who Scott Walker is. Most people did not know who Carly Fiorona was. Most people don't know who Bobby Jindal is. I'm talking about the common American voter. Most people in reality don't know who Rick Santorum is. Um, they had a, and you know, so, so that being the case, Ted Cruz, most people, he's, a, he was an unknown. Um, he made a lot of headways and he made a lot of waves as a junior senator, being a, a senator that spoke 
a lot and caused a lot on the floor. Um, but, but the reality is that's not what millennials are in tune to. And millennials are the ones that guide and direct social media and, uh, media and marketing is what drove this general election. And that's why we have a Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton presidency. Okay. Which brings me on to, as of two days ago, mm-hmm. and you, I must warn you, if you don't answer this correct, call, call if you don't answer this question correctly, yeah. I'm hanging up. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I can. As of, that. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing because <laughs> apparently, uh, you know, I, you know all this. Like we get all yeah, different yeah. types of hate because apparently right. I can't be independent. I'm biased. Right. Glenn Beck gives me talking points yeah. because I don't like Trump, yeah. but I don't have my own opinion. It's just Glenn Beck's talking points. So yeah. I've been told by Glenn Beck. Because he talks to me all the time. Glenn has nothing better to do at his time than talk to me. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah, I knew that. I figured. There's a day doesn't go by that Glenn yeah. isn't talking to me. Do you yeah. know that? Yeah, I knew that. I figured, <laughs> I, figured, I, figured, I figured that much. So with that being said, Glenn told me, I hear you're having Andrew on the show. If he says he's not never Trump, hang up on him. Oh, okay. So okay. two days ago, you were never Trump. <laughs> Where do you stand there, brother? I'm still never Trump. I'm still, I'm still a never Trump guy. But here's... Here's where I said I might surprise you as to what I said. Today, uh, I was talking to one of my friends who happens to be a combat veteran, former master sergeant uh, of the Joint Special Operations Command, and he is the uh, Special Operations Director uh, for Concerned Veterans for America, uh, Jason Beardsley. And uh, Jason and I were talking, and uh, Jason agrees Donald Trump is probably one of the worst candidates for president we've ever had, um, and he's flawed. Um, and he's not the perfect candidate by any means, and nor will he be. But here's how Jason put a voting for Donald Trump versus a voting for Hillary Clinton. And here's where I'm still never Trump. I have not been completely swayed or turned over. There's, there's, it's going to take a lot more than this, but this makes sense. And I think it's a fair shake at what our, your listeners um, needed to hear, and it's what my listeners got to hear. I think it's a fair shake. Um, and for those of you that aren't, are not, uh, are not combat minded, uh, this might sound a little gruesome, um, but I'm, I'm going to give you the realities of it because I can relate. And I am like you said, JD, at the beginning of the show, I'm a veteran. Um, I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't even have a doctorate in ministry. I'm not even that kind of doctor. I'm not the kind of doctor that fixes people. Um, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a trauma nurse or anything like that, but I was trained in combat medicine. And here's the realities of war. When you are in combat and you're kicking down doors and you're blowing, uh, you're blowing up doors and you're going into these places and you are getting ready and you are preparing yourselves for battle in battle. Sometimes there are casualties and sometimes those casualties aren't individuals that die, but they are individuals that go critical right now. America has not died, but it is critical. I mean, we are close to flatlining. And right now, we don't have the option. We don't have the option anymore to get to the doctor. We don't have the option to have the surgeon on deck ready to fix whatever went wrong for this casualty of war. But we do have a combat medic, if you will, somebody that has a skill set just to keep you alive. And here's the reality of being a combat medic. You're in a combat environment. You're dirty. I've been in Iraq. I've been in the deepest parts of Iraq. It's nasty. It's hot. You sweat. You stink. You get sand everywhere. There's dirt everywhere. In some places, there's mud. You don't 
you're, you're not clean. It's not the most hygienic place. But if your friend is bleeding out and you have to go in and grab their artery to stop it from bleeding, to put a tourniquet on, you do it even in even if you know that your dirty, nasty, grimy hands in that moment are going into a body that does not and cannot receive the foreign bacteria that's all over you, you go in anyway, knowing that you may possibly cause an infection, knowing that you might ca- you might f- uh, cause them because of that infection to even lose an arm, you still are going in there to preserve their life and get them to the vehicle that eventually will get them to that doctor or that surgeon. And right now, because America is flatlining and because America doesn't have the surgeon or the doctor on hand to heal it, rather than let America die, you have somebody that might cause an infection. We might lose an arm, maybe a leg. But we have somebody in there that's willing and can potentially keep us from ultimately dying. And you can't say that about Hillary Clinton. I love that analogy. Uh, I think it's I think it's wonderful. Here's my (laughs) question. You see, I don't want to people perceive me as never Trump. I'm always if you you know me. Mm-hmm. How much have my views changed in the five, six, seven years I know you? I've always been for God, right? Mm-hmm. I've always openly spoken about it, correct? Yeah, yeah. Have I, have I or have I not for long? You're one of the people I'm active with that knows me the longest. Yeah. Have I, have I or have I not always been for the Constitution? Always. Have I or have I not always been for your people and not your politicians? Always. <laughs> so here's the thing. I haven't changed. I don't want to bash people. I would love to say, nothing would make me prouder than to say, you know what, America has woken up and you have the next Reagan, the next Washington, the next Lincoln. I would love that to say that. Here's the thing, and here's, because I wanted to talk to you about this. A couple of weeks ago, I'm sure you heard it, he said, and I don't want this to turn into a bash, and I want your advice to turn this into a positive, how can we turn this around, to talk to Donald Trump, where he said, the U.S. generals are just don't know what don't know ISIS. They're just not they're not clever enough. They don't know how to handle ISIS, and they're just not doing a good job. Yeah, you know. And how I, do you get him to turn around? You know, I, I'm not obviously I'm not Donald Trump's Donald Trump's spokesperson, and and I'm not not a Trump fan, quite frankly, at all. Um, they're, they're, I agree with virtually everything that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth, uh, but especially those reasons. But here's the thing. And here's what we have to understand is, are those generals, are they inept to handle the enemy? No, no, they're not. Um, But here's here's some here's here's a a real reality is will those generals, those that are forward leading in the Pentagon right now, submit and succumb to the authority of the State Department and the administration? Yes, eventually they will. And they have. And that's exactly what we've seen. Um, so not to justify his statements and not to not to further why he said that, um, I think he's completely off base because I think given the chance and given the green light uh, via Congress. Now, I believe that you have to have congressional approval to do things um, that 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 constitute and enact actions of war. OK, um, I, I firmly believe that's what the Constitution says. 
But given that Congress gives them the green light to go, I think it's the administration and the State Department's opportunity there to back off and let the generals do their job. And then they're able to prove that they can do that job. Right now, they've not been given that authority. They've not been given that green light, nor have they ever been given that leeway by this current administration to do what was necessary. You might say, oh, but they pulled the tr- they pulled the green light and they pulled the trigger for bin Laden and, and so on and so forth and all of those things. Yeah, good. Great. Um, as I've said before, you know, I'm sitting here in my office in Texas and I'm looking straight ahead of me. I can see this flag that is mounted on my wall, um, that I had matted. Actually, my mom had matted for me. I sent it home in a box of, of personal belongings when I was in Iraq. It's an Iraqi flag and it has all of my guys, all of the guys that were in my unit that signed that flag. And my mom had it matted for me, but at the very bottom, it's embroidered with my last name, my duty station, which was LSA Anaconda, Balad, Iraq. And uh, then it says 2006, 2007, J.D., that was 10 years ago that I was in Iraq, 10 years ago. Um, That tells me that we've been operating in a war that we have no intention on winning because we're still in the Middle East. We're still in Iraq and Afghanistan. We are still constantly engaging in skirmishes uh, throughout this massive aspect of war in this region. That tells me that we've never had a clear path to victory. World War Two. You have to under. We have to understand history. Okay. Here's the thing: is it was we have to understand history. World War Two. World War Two. We went in to face Hitler and the Nazis. Okay. We went in to face the Axis powers that be, and we went in and in four years eradicated the threat of Nazism. Had them completely defeated and those that were not and felt not defeated, they were on the run. So they were defeated and there was no on the run to regroup like Al Qaeda did and became ISIS. They ran and they never came back. It's like a like an uh, it was like out of the Lion King. If you remember the movie, the Lion King, what Scar tells Simba, run Simba, run away and never return. You know, that's that's basically what happened is, is we've we told them to run, run away and never and they never did. And they never doubted that we would come back and do exactly what we did then again and again and again and again until the problem was no more. And that is why that problem never came back. But when you fight a war for profit and not for victory, and yes, I said it, I don't care. War's big business. Do your research and do it. There's no reason that I came out of the military making just little over minimum wage and being offered a job from a private contracting company to do the exact same thing and make over $200,000 a year tax-free doing it in the same region that I just got back from. You know, there's no reason for that. Okay. That war is big business. So you can do your research on that if you don't believe me. But when you fight war for profit and you don't fight war for victory anymore, the enemy is going to be like the little kid that's constantly being poked and poked and poked and poked and poked and poked. And And eventually you're going to poke that kid long enough that he's going to punch you in the mouth. And when he punches you in the mouth, you're not going to know what to do. And that's exactly what we've done for the past 10 years, if not 15 years. We poked and 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 we poked after 9-11 and we kept on poking. And now terrorism is rearing its ugly head. It first showed up in Boston. Then it showed up in San Bernardino. Now it's showing up here in Orlando, Florida. It almost showed up in L.A. Rest assured that terrorism is alive and well and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about the fact that terrorism is alive and well. Why? Because we just got hit in the mouth and we don't know what to do. Now, the reality is, the reality is we need somebody 
uh, bombastic, somebody that was willing to say it's time to just go in. We need an Eisenhower. Okay, we need a Reagan, somebody that said, oh, you want us to tear down that wall and you don't think we're serious? I'm going to fire. I'm going to fire the air traffic controllers. They're fired. Now we're serious. Okay, now tear down that wall. That's what we need to happen. We need those that instance of scenarios to start taking place. Why? Because it's simple. After a while, the enemy gets emboldened. The enemy gets emboldened because he knows we're not in it to win it. We're just there to be there. And that is what Trump is effectively talking about. Trump is talking about these generals have just effectively put us there. They call the shots as to what regions we go. They call the shots as to where we set up forward operating bases. They set up our LSAs. They do all of those things. And we're just there. Okay. And that's what we've done. And, and, and you know what? I said this to you in a private message. I said this to you in private. America, and I can speak particularly as I did a a moment ago from my perspective as a veteran, we're tired of being losers. And you know what Donald Trump has channeled very well is the fact that America for a while now, when it comes to the world, we've been losers and we've been drug around like, like a rag doll by on a world stage. Uh, Just go back just a couple of days ago to where Barack Obama's apologizing to Japan for Hiroshima. I didn't see Japan come to Hawaii and apologize for Pearl Harbor. Did I miss that news flash? No, they're not sorry. And neither are we. It's called war. Now, here's the thing. And here's the reality. What Trump has channeled and what Trump is getting and that he's getting right. I have no problem admitting when somebody's right. He is right. We're tired of being losers. And that's what he's talking about when it comes to the generals. I don't know. Um, I don't know Trump's heart. Obviously, I wish I did, because I think he'd be a lot better of a person if I had an opportunity to massage that heart a little bit and give him some some biblical truth. And I really do. I, I really wish that I could sit down with Donald Trump and just share with him the true message of Jesus and things like that. Um, I don't know, though. Um, I don't know his heart, but I, I don't know what he was thinking when he said I that. wish we could talk to him. Yeah. Because you talk Jesus to him, I'll talk America to him. There you go. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, might wake up. But we got to take another quick break, America. Don't go anywhere because when we come back, there's principles. You know, it's shocking. You might, you might be used to this, but uh, Andrew, you know, when we, when I go on the radio and when I do this show, we talk about principles quite a bit. So uh, I want to talk to you about some, some principles. So don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. What we could do, though, is call it what it is, and that's Islamic terror. It's it's radical Islamic terror. Again. Again. As almost always. That's what this is. Again. And instead, Obama continues to avoid that and continues to... Now it's homegrown terror. It's homegrown extremism. Yeah. And not even terror. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. First of all, I have I engage with all my my audience. They're wonderful. I answer every comment, every message, and some people have reached out to me privately, and I've given them some thinking. But I'd love as a pastor for you to do it, John. 
I can't stand Donald Trump. There's nothing we agree on. But I hate Hillary that much more. What do I do? Now, I don't want you to ask, answer from a political point of view, a spiritual point of view. What would you say to that person? You know, from a spiritual point of view, one of the, uh, one of the theologians that I oftentimes consult is Charles Spurgeon. And uh, Charles Spurgeon puts it brilliantly. Um, you know, we have that age-old adage, as it were, where we say, um, choose the lesser of two evils. And, and that's what we've talked about. And, and I know that that sounds like I'm about to go down a political rabbit hole. Uh, but I'm not because what Charles Spurgeon actually says in that quote is phenomenal. And in fact, I'm, I want to pull it up. I want to share the whole quote with you. But you know what? I, I can say this to your to the person that asked that question is I can't stand Donald Trump either. Um, and I don't agree with him on on virtually anything. Uh, but that being the case, that being the case, I, I still can't stand Hillary that much more. So I, I also understand where you're coming from there. Um, but. Here's what I would say from a spiritual perspective, and here's why I hold and I maintain um, the the never Trump um, aspect, uh, the never Trump attitude. But what Charles Spurgeon says is is pretty interesting. He says, "Of two evils, choose neither." Christians must turn from the endless cycle of voting for the lesser of two evils and expecting an unrighteous act to produce a righteous result from a communist to a cultist. Choosing the lesser of two evils is still evil and never should we do evil that good may come. Um, he's one of the best biblical theologians that I've ever read. And, 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 you know, when you think about that, it's a very simple way of putting it. Um, we can't expect to do something ungodly to produce a godly result. And that's why I still maintain never Trump. But I, you know what? Here's my answer. And this has been my answer all along. This election has gotten very personal. Um, this election is going to be very personal on a couple of levels, on a political level, on a spiritual level, and on a on a friendship level, because friendships are being severed a lot of times over these issues. Um, and, and the reality is you are going to have to do what is right to you, what I believe is right is holding to the scriptures and holding to righteousness and and consciously, I cannot vote for either of the candidates right now, so I will be independent uh, this election cycle this November um, because I have not seen or found the evidence that would really pull me over to Trump, but I did share with you an amazing analogy um, on how somebody put it and and I think that that is adequate I think it's it's uh I think it's noble, and if that's the position that you're taking, um, I can respect that. So do I, and I, I say this all the time. A vote for a soft tyranny over a hard tyranny, no matter what way you spin it, dice it, cut it, it's still a vote for tyranny. So then the other question I get from the Donald Trump supporters or the people who are not his supporters, but now it's got down to him and Hillary, they're like, I didn't want him, but we got him. I, I'm seeing this, which troubles me an awful lot. It's usually a statement, yeah, but you're just hiding behind your principles. You should get off your high horse. As an outsider, America is principles. Your founding yeah. principles. Your principles are what made you exceptional. A spiritual, American, history, whichever way. To that person who says you're hiding behind your principles, or I've heard this one recently, you're only been selfish because you can't vote for Trump, and you're putting yourself before your country. What would you say to them? Listen, I'm not hiding behind my principles. I'm standing for my principles. Um, that's that's the simple way that I would put it is, is I'm not hiding behind anything. 
um, I go on I go on nationally syndicated radio Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I stand up and I stand for my principles. Um, you know, I'm not hiding behind anything. I'm, I'm actually really easy to find. It's at Church Patriot on Twitter. Or type in Andrew Chavry on Facebook, and uh, they're public pages. You can find me and what I believe, and I'm not ashamed or afraid to put it out there. I'm not hiding behind anything. If I was hiding, you wouldn't know what I believe. You wouldn't know what my principles were if I was hiding behind them. I'm not hiding behind anything, but I'm standing for something. And it's not about being selfish. Look, you know, people have told me, I remember I got so many messages after Cruz had dropped out of the election. See, your guy lost. I said, Cruz wasn't my guy. Cruz wasn't my guy. I endorsed Rick Santorum a long time ago. That was, he's a, he's a friend. He's my, he, obviously there's a long background. There's long history between me and Rick Santorum. Okay. Um, he was my guy. And then I supported, I did not endorse. I supported Ted Cruz. And then, you know, uh, the chips fell where they were, but I've, I've said before that ever happened that I was not, and I could not vote for Donald Trump. And I hold to that. I haven't changed my mind about that. Never means never. Um, you know, it doesn't mean maybe later it means never. Uh, and that's why I'm holding to that. And it's not because I'm hiding behind my principles. It's because I stand for them. You mean never till November, right? Right. No, that's what we said. Yeah. No. <laughs> It'll be never so till got... November. No, no, never till November. that's why he talks on radio and doesn't sing on radio that's exactly right (laughs) and i'm not even going to try and sing because i openly admit i i sing worse than that yeah (laughs) so i've got two last questions for you um (laughs) i'm going to ask you the glenn beck question how's your soul but i don't want you to answer for yourself okay i want you to be blunt and i want you to be honest how is america's soul right now and then follow that up with, how can we fix it? Because I know me and you are on the similar page. The church is key and living on principles is key. But what would you say? Um, I'd say exactly what I did in my analogy earlier on why people could vote for Trump in a respectable way. Um, I think America's flatlining. I think her soul is spiritually flatlining. Um, I, I think the soul of America is on the cusp of death. I really firmly believe that. Um, but I also believe that we can fix it. We can fix it a number of ways. We can fix it by continuing to be the greatest nation that has ever lived. We can continue to, we can make it better by teaching again, American exceptionalism. We, we fix it. This is how we fix it. It's so, so simple. We fix it by telling the stories that made America great. You know, I, I've and, and and here's why. And I actually talked about, believe it or not, I talked about Glenn Beck today. Um, we we're talking about Glenn. And, and what I love about Glenn is that Glenn is a storyteller more than a radio personality, more than a TV personality. Glenn is a storyteller. And that's what drew me in. Um, and, and and that's what I want to be. I want to be a storyteller. I want to tell the stories that made America great. But one of the biggest contrasts that I see today, June 13th of 2016, um, and even go back a day to June 12th of 2016. That day is staunchly contrasted in my mind with September the 12th of 2001. September the 12th of 2001, you saw everybody of every nationality, of every sexuality, everybody linked arms after a deadly terrorist attack and said, we are Americans and never again will this happen. But guess what? It's happened. And this time we're not locking arms the day after 
We're not standing with each other the day after. We aren't doing those things. And here's why. Because generations behind ours, they don't know the story anymore. Children are now being taught that because America thought itself exceptional and because we were thought ourselves the world's police force that we brought 9-11 on ourselves. And, and if that's what children are taught, and if that's what they believe, well, then another terrorist attack like 9-11, the second deadliest, uh, the second deadliest terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11 just took place. And we're not locking arms like we did on September the 12th. There's a reason behind that, and it's because we're no longer telling the stories. Do you know why radical Islam took so long to rear its ugly head in the American public? Because Thomas Jefferson saw fit after after staving off and after fighting and after having victory over the Barbary pirates, he saw fit to print the Quran in English, published by Congress, mind you, and circulated widely. And inside the front page of that Quran, it said a note from Thomas Jefferson that read, once you read this book, you will see why they will never stop and why they will always try to kill us and why they hate us. See, our founding fathers that faced this enemy earlier before, even way earlier than before we ever knew about it. They were telling a story and that story was being passed down and passed down to where it had Americans responsible and it had them vigilant and it had them constantly ready to defend the greatest nation that has ever lived. And it all started by simply telling the story. We must start telling the stories of America's greatness again if we want to be that great nation. That's how we get back. Amen. Last question. Um, this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, every time I do a show by myself, the last thing I do is salute the real heroes in society. I tip my cap to them, the vets, the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel. I want you to tell, because you're a vet, you'll tell it a lot better than I will and Quite honestly, I can't tell these stories without ever crying, and I cried enough on radio last week to last me a lifetime. Um, yes, I'm a grown man, and I cry. Get over it. <laughs> there are 22 vets a day mm-hmm. who commit suicide. Yep. I was on your show last week. I had an absolute blast. You told me about this foundation, and you encouraged me, and I donated $22 yep. uh, as a symbol. Will you tell my audience about this, who they are, what they do? Yeah. And how they can help. Um, so I'm working right now. I'm partnered with an organization called the Warrior Angels Foundation. And the Warrior Angels Foundation, um, it's two brothers, Adam and Andrew Marr. They founded this organization. And they founded it because of Andrew's struggle with PTS. He was medically retired from the United States Mil- uh, Army. He was an elite performer. He was a Special Forces Green Beret. He was a breacher. That means that he had, uh, he'd basically go in and explode the door before anybody would in. He suffered multiple head traumas. Uh, while he was uh, on deployments, and and because of such, he ended up encountering uh, three months after his discharge, or, or shortly after his discharge, he or, or return home, he started experiencing uh, symptoms of PTS, and he didn't know what was wrong with him. Uh, to the point where he found himself, he woke up one morning and found himself on thirteen medications and at the bottom of a and a, at the bottom of a bottle. And his wife had to ask him. She was nine months pregnant with their fifth child, and said, "Will you keep your liquor intake down and don't get drunk today, just so I don't have to drive myself to the hospital when I go into labor?" 
Um, and, and that was a wake up call for him that he called Adam and Adam was on the other end of the phone. And, um, he said, Adam says all he heard was sobbing, didn't know what to do. Here's his brother, this elite performer, top of the cream of the crop. And Adam, by the way, was an Apache helicopter pilot in the United States army. And, and he said, he didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do, but they knew that that day they had to do something because what the VA was doing did not work. So they started doing their research. Their research led them to finding um, information about traumatic brain injury. That traumatic brain injury actually has links to what we call uh, neurosteroids in the brain. And um, long story short, they ended up finding, uh, coming in contact with Dr. Mark Gordon. Dr. Mark Gordon is the top uh, endocrinolo- uh, neuroendocrinologist in the world. And Dr. Gordon heard the story and he got compelled to help. And he put Andrew on a protocol, found out that he was deficient in specific hormones and neurosteroids that they were easily naturally replaced via one of the protocols. Uh, You're not talking psychotropic drugs or anything like that. And all of a sudden, Andrew's quality of life came back and he was Andrew again. And that being the case that they they sought out Dr. Gordon they started the uh, they started the Warrior Angels Foundation and they have started treating veterans with world class care so basically Axis Labs in Florida one of the premier blood labs uh, they they found this di- objective blood test diagnostic to tell you whether or not you're deficient in any of these neuro hormo- uh, neurosteroids or hormones and uh, they send this off to Axis Labs in Florida. Axis Labs sends the results back to Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon does a detailed write-up. He sends it to you via FedEx and email. And once you get it, Dr. Gordon Skypes you, and you guys go through your results together. You have a one-on-one consultation with Dr. Gordon via Skype in your own home. And by the way, to get the blood test done, if you are a veteran and you're suffering with any of these symptoms, they send a mobile phlebotomist to your house. So you never even have to go to a clinic to do this. They'll do it for you. They'll preserve your dignity for you. It's mobile. They'll come in. You never have to leave your home. Dr. Gordon comes in. He puts you on a protocol. You come to an agreement for your protocol and he sends it out to you and he bills the Warrior Angels Foundation and not the veteran. The Warrior Angels Foundation covers all the cost if you qualify uh, for their foundation's treatment. And, and that's it. And we're giving veterans our lives back. And you mentioned 22. Um, I've encouraged everybody to donate $22 a day for the 22 veterans uh, that are that are statistically logged. We lose 22 veterans a day, according to the Veterans Administration, to suicide. Um, doesn't sound so much like Disneyland waiting lines to me if, uh, if I lose my life uh, because I'm not getting the care and the attention that I deserve. Um, so that being the case, guys, um, we actually probably lose more than 22 veterans a day. The VA only logs uh, veteran suicide if they leave a suicide note. They don't even log the ones that don't. Um, so we're probably losing somewhere to 30 or 40 veterans a day. But for all intents and purposes, we say 22, uh, 22 a day are, are losing their lives. Uh, and we want to stop that. That's what, that's why I partnered with the Warrior Angels Foundation. We want to stop that. We want to give veterans the world class care that they need and that they deserve right there in their own homes. Preserve their dignity. There's no waiting in these quote unquote Disney line like lines. You get it. You get it when you need it and you get what you need and you don't find yourself fighting. And the way that you do this, and is there it's, a, yeah, it's the way is there you, a way you can find them on the interweb or yeah, yeah, the internet, I'm you going, know, that, that tool going. that some people use. Yeah, I'm going. It's WAF, WAFTBI.org. It's Warrior Angels Foundation, TBI.org, WAFTBI.org, WAF. That's it. Awesome. And Andrew, 
so many thank yous first yeah. as a vet this show the blaze salute you thank you for your service but i think your best days are still ahead of you both america and you um, you're a voice that everyone should check out whether it's for politics whether it's for um scriptures for god i tend to he's my go-to guy when i was pretty down last week um and he was my go-to guy and <laughs> um, thank you for joining us Absolutely. i hope you'll join us again soon Absolutely. this is the freedom's disciple podcast exclusive to the blaze thank you so much america for tuning in i hope today has given you some some food for thought it's given you some enjoyment and as always i finish today's show the way we always do it here I salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. These are the real heroes in, are in society. It isn't a number on a jersey. It's those who serve. And most importantly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because of your people. Never, ever forget that. And keep acting. Until next week, America, God bless. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.